and welcome back to Basic Bible 101. Today's lesson, number four, covers Noah and the ark, but before we get into that, let's take just a few minutes to review where we've come from. Last week we covered Adam and Eve, that was lesson three, and that occurred, the story of Adam and Eve is in Genesis 2 and 3. In Genesis chapter 4, we hear about their two children, Cain and Abel, and we'll talk about that in just a minute. If you recall, Adam and Eve, at the end of chapter 3, had been exiled from the Garden of Eden because of their disobedience. Do you recall what it was that they did that displeased God so much that he would exile them from the Garden? If you're saying to yourself, they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, then you're right. God asked them not to do that, and when they were tempted by the serpent, that's exactly what they did. So because of that, that sin had all kinds of consequences. For Eve, it was a consequence of pain in childbirth and, of course, eventual, eventually an actual death. For Adam, it would be having to toil for a living and work the ground, even though there would be weeds and thistles that would make it very difficult for him. And, of course, eventually death. So we see that for all mankind, there is the residual effect of Adam and Eve's sin, which is that we live in a fallen world. It's very obvious when you spend any time in nature that although there's a birth and life uh, in nature, there is also death. And so plants die, animals die, everything is in a continual state of decay and will be until we uh, achieve a new heaven and a new earth. At least that is my belief. And it is one that I believe is backed up scripturally. So as we begin this lesson today, Adam and Eve have moved from the Garden of Eden to whatever land that they managed to come across where they thought they might be able to uh, work the ground and provide some food. In the course of time, Adam and Eve started to have children, and we don't know how many children they have. We just know that this particular story is about Cain and Abel, and eventually they do have another boy that we learn about. His name is Seth, but at this time, they have two sons, Cain and Abel. Now, Abel is the one who tends to the flocks while Cain works the soil, and we see that when the time comes for them to offer their uh, first fruits, which became a custom, it was a way of thanking God for the success that they've had in growing crops or in uh, the birth of new uh, animals in the flock. They bring an offering to the Lord. And so when they were doing this, at the, that time during the year when they were to bring their offering before the Lord, Cain's offer is not accepted, whereas Abel's is. And so Cain gets very jealous about this. And when we say not accepted, uh, that could it's hard for us to know what that actually meant, but it appears that the Lord just was not pleased with what Cain had brought. Now, I don't know if that's because Cain brought an inferior offering or if he just came with a heart that was just not really into it wasn't particularly grateful to the Lord I don't know exactly what the what it was that displeased the Lord but whatever it was instantly we see Cain angry about it and he's so angry that he takes his brother out to the field and kills him now I have always thought that's kind of weird that you would kill a sibling over God's approval, but think about how many times we get very angry with our brothers and sisters over uh, and very jealous over our parents' approval or attention. And so it's not too difficult to imagine that when God was upset with 
Cain's offering and rejected it, that he decided to get even. And so his way of getting even at God was to go out in the field and kill his brother. Now, the interesting thing is that Cain obviously did not learn anything from his parents because he pretends like nothing has happened in the same way that Adam and Eve thought that they could get away with hiding from God in the bushes, Cain just sort of ignores God. But God knows. And so he goes to Cain and he says, where is your brother Abel? Cain says, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? Okay, so you've heard that phrase before and this is where it comes from. Cain's basically saying, well, am I responsible for him? And God says, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. God has told Cain that you will no, he will no longer be able to uh, work the ground, that he is going to be a wanderer from here on out and just find food wherever he can. Cain is concerned about this verdict, and he says, well, whoever sees me is going to try and kill me. And the Lord says, no, I'm going to put a mark on you, and no one will be allowed to kill you. So because they seem to talk about there being other people, there's a great deal of speculation, were these other children of Adam and Eve? And it may have been that Cain and Abel were one of the later children, because it says that God gave uh, Eve another son to make up for the one she had lost, and his name was Seth. So this, this is later on in chapter 4. All right, so we see that Cain goes on and finds a wife and marries. And we don't know if that's one of his sisters. There's always speculation of where did Cain find a wife. But it's very possible that it, and more than likely, was a sister. Okay, let's continue on. Chapter 5 covers the lineage between Adam all the way down to Noah. And so we see that Adam lived a total of 930 years, having sons and daughters. After one of his sons, of course, was Seth, and uh, Seth lived a total of 912 years. One of Seth's sons was Enosh, uh, and it says that Enosh lived a total of 905 years. There's always been a great deal of question about how did these people live so long? And that really is a good question. It seems that after the flood, the ages of individuals greatly diminishes. And so there has been speculation that there was some kind of a canopy around the earth and that when the flood occurred, that canopy broke and then allowed more sun rays in and, and aged people more than uh, before that time. You know, I don't know, and I'm sure science has all kinds of um, research to do to find out why is it that these people lived so long. Uh, speculation is also that they had a different calendar that they were using, and I, that could be possible too. But we know that they had many children and populated the earth, so much so that by the time we finally get down to Noah, the, the population is pretty good size, and they have not succeeded in being good people. They've actually become quite wicked. So at the beginning of chapter 6, we learned that Noah is one of the few people that God found favor with because everyone else was just wicked to the core. And as God begins describing in the beginning of chapter 6 how wicked they were, that they even had uh, dealings with these supernatural beings, of which we don't know if those were angels or demons or what, but whatever was going on there, uh, it definitely was not something that God condoned. And so he just said, okay, enough of this. I've had enough of the sin of mankind, and I'm going to just wipe them out. 
Some commentaries believe that this first part of chapter 6 that refers to the Nephilim, I hope that's how you say it, I'm not really sure, um, that these were uh, believers taking non-believers as their wives. Um, I'm not really sure that I can go along with that, but regardless, the indication is that there was a wickedness that God could not tolerate and decided that's enough. So, Genesis 6, 5 through 8 talks about Noah and his sons and how he God calls him to begin this process of building an ark. And they do. They, he, in fact, God gives them very specific instructions on what kind of wood to use, what dimensions this, this ark should be. And at the time, Noah did not live near the ocean. So I'm sure it seemed quite strange that God was calling him to build an ark uh, and he basically had to do it on faith. He had to trust that what God was calling him to do, that there was a reason for it. Okay, so why do we see that God decided to wipe out the people on the earth? And if you're saying, okay, because they were evil to the core, that is exactly right. So how does he describe Noah in that first part of verse 9? Yes, it says that he was a righteous man. Um... In the course of time, Noah, God tells Noah when the ark is finally finished, I want you to bring your wife, your sons, and your daughter-in-laws, and two of each kind of animal, and enter the ark. And so Noah does so. Not only does he bring two of each kind of animal, but he also brings in some animals to sacrifice while they're in the ark. And when they finally are, when the flood subsides, then they will have a uh, sacrifice to the Lord. As it begins to rain, God tells Noah to shut the door of the ark and it rains for 40 days and 40 nights, which may be something you're familiar with. However, you may not know that it actually took much longer for the floods to subside. And so it was really about 150 days before Noah and his family saw that there was any earth at all left. And when the ark finally came to rest on a mountain, it talks about Mount Ararat, your student workbook should have a map in there that kind of gives the general location of where we think Mount Ararat. Um, well, we know that's where Mount Ararat is. It's just that that's where we think the ark has had landed. So Noah stays on the ark and proceeds to send out birds from time to time to check for signs of life. And eventually a, a dove is sent out and returns with an olive leaf in its beak. So if you've seen that sign for peace, that's what it is, a dove with an olive leaf in its beak. So they finally have hope that the water will recede and they stay on the ark a bit longer. In total, they're on the ark for about a, a, about a year. And at the end of that time, Noah get, comes out of the ark. Look down in Genesis 8 in verse 13 and let's see what the very first thing that Noah does once he has uh, walked out of the ark. It says, so Noah came out together with his sons and his wife and his son's wives, all the animals and all the creatures that move along the ground and all the birds, everything that moves on the earth came out of the ark one kind after another. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord, and taking some of all the clean animals and the clean birds, he sacrificed burnt offerings on it. The Lord smelled the pleasing aroma and said in his heart, Never again will I curse the ground because of man, even though every inclination of his heart is evil from childhood. And never again will I destroy all living creatures as I have done. As long as the earth continues, seed time and harvest, 
cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. So the Lord blessed Noah and his sons and told them to be fruitful and multiply and increase the earth. Um, and so that's what they do. They And they kind of tend to spread out. So from their beginning, new beginning on Mount Ararat, they, one group tends to go more towards Europe. Another group tends to go down towards what we would consider Africa. Another group tends to head in a more easterly direction. And so that's where we believe that a lot of the differences in early um, people that we come across now in our archaeological digs, that they were original descendants of one of Noah's sons. And so just depending, you know, that was quite a while before mankind really became a population again. As the first act of thanksgiving to God, where Noah builds this altar, what is an altar, you're probably thinking? Well, it was really a pile of rocks. And upon that pile of rocks, they would sacrifice a bird or an animal. You notice they call them clean animals. Um, this was probably something that was determined later. Um, it, we never learn where Adam and Eve or Noah or any of the descendants in between are given the call for clean or unclean animals. But we do hear about clean and unclean animals in uh, from Moses in the book of Leviticus and, and through some of the laws. And so it's possible that they had those laws, they just weren't written down. Or it's possible that when someone went back and recorded the story of uh, Noah, they referred to the animals then as clean or unclean. So it's, it's a matter of interpretation, I think. Okay, so from this pile of rocks, and we'll see that again and again, where God kind of encourages them to present uh, some kind of an offering to him as a token of their acknowledgement that God has brought them through this and as a reminder. So this pile of rocks becomes a way of saying God was with us at this place and we will see that again and again as we cover more stories in the Old Testament. Um, if you will look at your student handbook, uh, workbook that you, those of you that have it, if you don't remember that you can order that online through our website at uh, www.basicbible one oh one dot com. There are some questions there you might want to answer within your discussion group. The answers to the questions, many of them are up to you. However, if you would like some guidelines regarding the answers to the discussion questions, they can be found too online on our at our website. Uh, just look under the tab that says lessons. Okay, continuing on in Genesis nine, look down in verse uh, let's see, verse 8. It says, Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, I now establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you and with every living creature that, ha that was with you, the birds, the livestock, and all the wild animals, all those that came out of the ark with you, every living creature on earth. I establish my covenant with you. Never again will all life be cut off by the waters of a flood. Never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, This is the sign of the covenant I am making between me and you and every living creature with you, a covenant for all generations to come. I have set my rainbow in the clouds, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. Whenever I bring clouds over the earth and the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will remember my covenant between me and you 
and all living creatures of every kind. So when you see a rainbow, I hope it reminds you of this story and you will remember that that's God's promise never again to destroy the earth with water. Now that doesn't preclude it from being destroyed by other means and so we can certainly self-destruct as well. But at this point we know that God has promised that he will honor his agreement and that the rainbow will serve as a reminder. Uh, I can understand why that would be important because if you had just been through a major flood like that, every time it rained, there would be a sense that says, oh no, we're go have, going to have to go through this again. And God is saying, no, I make a promise with you. So what is a covenant? What is this word that God uses here? Well, covenant is a type of an agreement. Uh, we might use the term as a marriage covenant or a homeowner's covenant. Uh, it's a promise, basically, between two individuals or two groups that says, uh, I'll abide by my half of this agreement. And so God is saying here that he made an agreement with Noah and with all mankind. When we talk about the Old Testament and the New Testament, uh, we talked about how that was God's agreement or um, promise um, the old one, which we are covering slowly through the book of um, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, was one of, um, if you abide by my laws, then I will uh, accept your sacrifice for the mistakes you make along the way, and you can have relationship with me. But in the New Testament, when Jesus dies on the cross, that is the ultimate sacrifice. It's the ultimate animal sacrifice. And therefore, um, because Jesus being the spotless Lamb of God, uh, from that point on, we have a new agreement or a new covenant with God. And so that's why we call the New Testament the, uh, the New Testament. Okay. Um, as you've seen, God wiped out all living beings, but did he get rid of evil on the earth? No, of course not. Mankind's bent is always towards evil, and so this is nothing new to God. And it's just a matter of time before the, the sin that is within mankind begins showing itself again. And so um, only through the shedding of blood was God able to cover that sin and so that is why these sacrifices we see of the animals occur um, as a way of saying okay I realize I have sinned and this blood is covering my sin it cost something for my sin and in these days the cost was the life of an animal so from here on out uh, Seth, Ham and Jepeth move their families have children pretty much populate the earth again. Uh, one group moving more towards Europe, another group moving south into Africa in that area, another group moving more easternly into Asia. And so as we uh, see mankind moving again toward a general population, we see that they again sin. In fact, the very beginning of chapter 11, we are once again faced with the fact that they mankind just does not accept that he's not God and it's a common problem we have it even today we want the world to revolve around us that we should be the center of the universe and everything else should cater to our women our wishes and even though we know that that's wrong it is our bent from birth okay and we have seen this through from the very beginning with Cain and Abel all the way now down through uh, 
all the way through the sons of Noah. And so when we get to chapter 11 of Genesis, we're going to learn that the people believed that they could build a tower to God. And uh, so as they begin building this tower, God looks down and he is not pleased with their efforts to acknowledge or to ascribe so much power to themselves and really the tower wasn't in honor of God it was a tower that says we're just as good as God and so God just does not allow this to happen we'll cover more about that next week but for this week if you have the time please take it to read up through uh, our current reading and through next week it would be good if you could go ahead and read through Genesis 18 uh, we're going to be covering the life of Abraham. He is a key figure in the Jewish faith and in the Christian faith as well as one of the patriarchs of our faith. I think he's even a key, yes he is, a key uh, figure in the uh, mu Muslim faith as well. So it will behoove you to learn as much as you can about Abraham it just gives you a foundation for understanding where did all the, the three major religions in the world, where did they break apart? And we will see it shortly after the story of Abraham. So take the time to read your scriptures and do your homework. Uh, if you have questions, of course, be sure to email me. I would love to respond. If you're doing your work within a group, and I hope that you are, um, talk to your group leader and ask them, uh, if you have questions or if you would like to do a supplemental study, that would be great too. Uh, between chapter 12 and 13 in the student Bible, there's a call out on Abraham and it's quite interesting too. So um, as I said, Abraham will be one of the people that you'll want to know as much as you can about because people will refer to him again and again as the father of our faith. Uh, Christians believe that Jesus changed all that uh, the covenant that was made with uh, between God and Abraham. Uh, however, it still plays a very important part in our lives, even as Christians, because uh, Abraham's faith is referred to uh, in Hebrews as being one that honored God. So we have a lot to learn from him. All right. Well, thank you so much for spending the time with me today to listen to the story of Noah and the Ark. I hope it's cleared up some of your questions. As you can see, we've moved fairly rapidly through this, so please do take the time to go back and read it if you have not already. And if you have, that's great, and you will get a lot out of this if you will spend the time. And it's really not much time at all to read the passages in Scripture as we go through this. All right. So until next week. Uh, be blessed, and I look forward to speaking with you again. Mm -hmm.